My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to my Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is Nick Swain, Executive Director of For Virginia that oversees James Madison University's X Labs. JMU X Labs is a makerspace type classroom at James Madison University in Virginia. It's a unique classroom makerspace where students from different disciplines work together to use tech to solve real world problems. They utilize all kinds of different technologies, including video conferencing technology, collaboration tech, and all of the technology needed to develop solutions. It's a great interview because Nick Swain discusses how the X Labs are really demonstrating how the future of education using technology to connect students with other students, teachers, thought leaders, and mentors in the industry can help provide a completely new type of education, a hands-on type of education, and a very collaborative type of education between multiple different departments and multiple different disciplines. I'll let Nick explain what JMU X Labs is. Enjoy the interview. This interview was recorded using Delta Path with Dolby Voice to deliver an in-person experience with stunning audio quality. If you enjoy the great sound quality in today's interview, visit www.deltapath.com. Discover how Delta Path with Dolby Voice can deliver an immersive communication experience with noise cancellation to you. My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to My Tech Decisions podcast. Today's guest is Nick Swain, Executive Director of For Virginia, and Nick also runs uh, the X Labs at James Madison University. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So, uh, first off, what is the JMU X Labs? Well, so the JMU X Labs is a place where we wanted to share courses between universities. So that was really the 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 founding principle. But as we started growing it, we we found out there was a there were a lot more opportunities. And so um, now we bring in uh, trans we call it transdisciplinary courses. So courses that are focused on a problem, and then we bring in faculty and outside experts and stakeholders into the into the space, whether it's virtually or in person, and um, also are partnering with universities around this, the U.S. and uh, abroad. And and so we work on these really complex, compelling problems that the students latch onto and take to places that don't expect. So I should have mentioned that JMU stands, stands for James Madison University, and that's where these X Labs are. How did James Madison uh, get involved, and how did your organization, For Virginia, kind of link up with them? So For Virginia is a is a Virginia state organization that uh, was was founded by a governor about two governors ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it, it, the idea was to share courses between institutions, and so. To do that, they gave us a really nice video conferencing center, um, but and then they asked us to share STEM courses, and and the, really those two things don't go together. You you know the you bring in STEM faculty and students, and they want to cut things and bend metal and 
drill and solder things together, and and it just doesn't work in a real high-end uh, presidential-looking conference room. Um, and so th- we got this old TV studio, and they said, okay, what do you need? And I kind of came up with some ideas of what, what might work, and um, we tested it, and over the past couple of years, we've really come up with a, a model that works very well for this kind of collaborative transdisciplinary learning. So how do you go about choosing the technology for a space like this, especially because it is such a unique space that there probably weren't a ton of uh, examples that you could take a look at from even around the country? Yeah, so exactly. Um, so th- we we talked to a bunch of folks, and there are a couple schools that I, I won't name that um, spent millions of dollars uh, setting up a, a virtual space that um, I- included uh, holograms, so you could have an instructor in one location and would appear as a hologram in another location. That really wasn't what we were looking for. Again, not that works great for a business school or something like that, but for a hands-on um, application-based course, it doesn't really work. So, so we kind of just had to dream it up, and we spent um, two years testing different applications, different uh, hardware, software integration. Uh, of devices and um, you know where where it might work. So so we tested a whole bunch of things uh, on a very economical level. We made really um, profound use of the loaner systems. You know, uh, a lot of vendors will say, "Hey, we'll loan you this thing for a, a month and test it out." So we really put it to the test and see to see if it would work and work the way we wanted to. And we probably went through about you know four or five different iterations of that to find something that really worked well and um and then and then went from there so every everything was kind of a hypothesis we come up with the idea of what we wanted to do um talked to some vendors that said their stuff would do it brought that stuff in tested it um and and then if it worked we'd set it up extend the test really run it for a while and 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 then just keep scaling from there yeah so what makes a successful test in that case? Or I guess I should ask, you know, what are the students actually doing in in the X labs? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask that question, um, and and I'd say uh, we we give them. So we we bring in students. One example is um, in our drones course. Uh, we, we started off just making drones, and we at the end of the course we figured out that the students really want to solve a problem with the drone not just make a drone. And so th- that kind of got us on the track that we're on now. And the, the students that come into that are, for example, industrial design, engineering, computer science, writing, rhetoric, and technical communications, biology, and nursing. That's a, that's a normal mix of students and faculty. And so those guys come in, and what we do is curate. We find problems for them to solve that might be solvable with a drone. We don't know for sure. And we assign, so we come up with a list of six or eight different problems, and and those problems come from the, our Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, uh, the Smithsonian Biological Research Center asked us to help um, work on a on a couple problems. So we come up with six or eight different problems that that sound interesting to us. Um, we don't know what the solution is. We don't really know for sure if it'll work, and we 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 describe those problems to the students. They form teams, and we make sure, you know, our job is to make sure that the teams are multidisciplinary, balanced in terms of 
of all the disciplines and and this, we try to identify the strengths of the students and make sure they're all sort of balanced that way, assign them the problems and then turn them loose and they have to go out and they use the lean startup methodology. So they go out and interview people, bring that back. And um, what what has been a key to success in our in our work is that the students every week they present. And so when we, you get stakeholders that are interested, like the Department of Game and the Fisheries or the folks from the Smithsonian, they're really interested in getting that problem solved. They want to join the the class, and so they they're, they don't want to drive down in person. So they join remotely. They watch the students present. They give students feedback on their presentations. Um, the students can use the the technology to do they do interviews and talk to stakeholders during the week um, so they can use the technology to do that and, and then they present and they do that every week and every week they have to present a prototype they have to improve that uh, prototype based on the feedback they get from the week's work um, and and keep going forward so they learn all kinds of uh, very interesting skills like storytelling um, how do you do a cold call? How do you do an interview? How do you develop a prototype? How do you pivot from that prototype? Um, how do you make the prototype? Uh, everything. And so some of those disciplines, you know, engineering, they're they're accustomed to that, but oftentimes the engineering students want to jump right to the solution without really understanding the problem. And so by having all these multiple disciplines and they've got to come to an agreement every week on what the next step is, um, that's that's kind of what they learn, and it and it's uh, pretty. Uh, I'll say it's a it's an amazing transformation to watch, and and so that's why the technology is so important because you want the technology to enable that to happen without getting in the way. Um, so it's got to be transparent, but really highly capable and very flexible. So that's that's kind of what we do, and that's what they learn. Yeah. Yeah, so so I'd like to get a little bit more into the technology and exactly what you just said, where where it's enabling them and not disrupting them. Uh, so yep. obviously, it sounds like you guys have a video conferencing system in there. What other technologies, like general technologies, do you guys have in there, and and what made you go with you know the solution that you chose over over something else? So let's start with that that video conferencing suite. How did you guys yeah. choose that, and why? Well, so we we um I had. I had an idea of what we wanted to do, and we were a, a, a Cisco school, so we, we um, talked to people that had um, experience with Cisco solutions, um, and and worked with you know kind of like defined the, the you know the, the the farthest reach. Here's what we really want to do. How far can you get us for our you know within our budget, and and push them really hard to come up with a, a solution. And so things like the you know, we have a camera in the front of the room, so the if we if we bring somebody in or somebody's watching the instruction or participating in the instruction, they can watch as an instructor might from the front of the room. But when the students are presenting, we can switch the camera to the back of the room, and so anybody watching the presentations can can watch that as um, as if you were in the room. Um, and then the like the the technology with the with the um, projectors, what we found was. Uh, the Epson projectors were, were the only ones that had the resolution, the brightness, and the touch-enabled uh, features that allowed us to really do what we wanted to do. And we tested a bunch of different systems, but the, the Epsons really gave us that, um, you know, you can just go up and touch it with your finger. It's, people are just amazed that it's it's not a, um, 
they think it's a smart board, and when they go up and find out that it's just uh, a black, just drywall, you know, it's just projecting on on flat drywall that's painted white. Um, and when they can go up there and edit the and, and draw on the image and move things around on on the on the wall, they're just blown away by it. Um, and and then when they find out that it costs. Uh, less than many of the projectors that they're buying that just project um, without any interactive capabilities, are, they're really blown away. And the students as well. Um, we have it set up as like a, a giant video wall with uh, four screens that are all um, connected. So when you look up at the front of the room, you see this giant wall, and it's really seamless. You can just drag images between between screens, move things around, scale things up, scale things down, um, zoom in really tight on a, you know, we do some robotic stuff. So you've you got circuits, you want to be able to zoom in close. And so uh, we have an application called Solstice that allows you to just use your um, your, your cell phone um, and project it up on the screens. So uh, you don't need to have any kind of other devices and the students can just share their, they can share their laptops, iOS devices, Android devices, um, and present from those um, interactively uh, dur during class, however they want, and the instructors can participate as well, same way. Uh, how how does the instructor? Because this sounds so unique. Is this is this a credited class, or is this some sort of extracurricular? And and how does the instructor uh, come into play in in utilizing the technology and and helping the students? So, um, yeah. So so because the 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 courses are all focused on solving a problem, and the problems that we try to find are really complicated, and um, they're not an engineering problem. It's not a social work problem. It's not a, uh, a nursing problem. It's not a writing problem. But to really solve that takes all of those disciplines and experts all working on them. Otherwise, you come up with a very one-sided solution. And so the faculty are there to represent the disciplines, help the students think through problems from each of those disciplinary perspectives, but they're also there as instructors. And so like our writing professor is there to help students. The, um, for example, the physics students, I don't want to single them out, but they're, they're not always great at telling a story. And, and college students in general are often not great at time-space continuum. So when they get somebody on the phone that doesn't know what they're doing, and they've got to talk to this person, elicit input, tell them what they're trying to solve, and get them to really engage, that requires um, some real skill to hook that person they've never met, doesn't know, you know, they don't know what they're doing, never heard from them before. I'm going to hook this guy and say, I need your help solving this problem, and get them to actually stop what they're doing and engage and answer questions. So so that's the writing professor is great at helping the students tell that story. How do you, if you're a physics student, you've got to engage with those people. Well, that turns out to be a great um, future skill because when you're applying for a grant, you're trying to get external funding, National Science Foundation funding. You're As a physics person, you're trying to explain to somebody that doesn't know what you're doing what what it is you're trying to accomplish and why it's important. And so those kind of skills are, are going to be useful for the rest of their lives. And so and I think that's that's true for all of them. And then at the end of this semester, we have the, the writing students 
who have been participating and full members of all the classes, they're soldering things together. They're hmm. doing testing. So, the, so those guys, when you're now when you're going out to get a job as a tech writer, you actually understand the technology. You've played with it. You you learn how to program Arduinos, Raspberry Pis. Um, you can you can program a Pixhawk on a on a drone. Um, you, you you've participated on thrust testing and you've told the story and you built a. Um, we we usually have them build a website that for each team um, that that explains what's going on. And so then the students use that website as part of their uh, application for jobs. Here's what we did. Here's how, you know, we, we really made this stuff. It really worked. Here's our client. Uh, here's the 15-week process. You can look at how we developed this thing over over 15 weeks. We did the work and all that. So so that whole package is really something that um, that that employers have recognized and uh, and sought after and again you've got to have really advanced but transparent technology to make that work yeah and, and that's kind of my last question is you know a, a space like this and the initiatives that you are trying to implement how important is it to what does technology do to augment that versus you know if, if you guys had the equipment in the room but you didn't have the video display or the video conferencing uh, capabilities and so on and so forth. Yeah, so the so the the technology um, that that allows us to reach out. So you you can't engage if you're you know we don't have all the expertise and and experience on on campus. We want to reach out to expert stakeholders. Um, getting them to do that in a traditional way, uh, where they're just the you know the, the guy on the wall in a in a standard video conference. Um, is really unfulfilling for them, and they don't feel like they're engaged. And so um, giving them a process and a, and a way for them to engage with the student. The other thing I, I didn't mention, we have Beam Robots. Have you ever seen Beam Robots? The, uh, it's, a, it's from a company called Suitable Technology. And so once, they're, once they present up on the screen, if they want to go interact with the students, they jump on these Beam Robots, and they can drive around. They, they drive them from wherever they are in the world, and interact with their teams, um, and they show up uh, on the screen. They can share diagrams on the screen. So that really allows them uh, to engage in a way that um, kind of breaks the mold of being the remote instructor because they can get off the wall and, and engage directly with the students. So having that, and it, and it works transparently, the, the faculty or, or the stakeholder, whoever's remote, can just do it they can be up on the WebEx and, and be the guy talking on the wall and jump off of that into the beam, drive around seamlessly, and um, and the students enjoy it. They'll walk right up to the beam robot and call it, you know, hey, Professor Smith, or um, we, have, we have a guy we work with a lot named Fred. And so they'll just walk up to this robot and say, hey, Fred, and start talking to it as if Fred was in the room. Um, and so that's a... That just enables things to happen in a way that you couldn't do without that kind of technology. Yeah, I, I mean, it really is incredible. And, and thank you for joining us to kind of discuss uh, this really unique uh, makerspace and, and classroom environment. Uh, it's, it's great to see how technology can, you know, really aid the way that students are taught and, and really completely change the way students are taught. So I know that uh, our higher education 
uh, listeners are, are, you know, very interested to learn about these types of things. Uh, is there a way that um, if they want to learn more about JMU X Labs or, or maybe even some of the initiatives of for Virginia, is there a way that they can, um, uh, are there, is there a website that they can go to or how can they learn more? Sure. Yeah, we we have a, a website that's jmuxlabs.org. It's it's actually part of JMU, but uh, but we do a .org um, website just so that we can share easier with uh, outside agencies. So you can go there, look at some of the classes. We have some historical files and some video up there. Um, and uh, there's there's also we're we started people started asking us questions so. Uh, we started doing research and, and documenting it, so we've got some publications up there that we've uh, put out um, that are on our uh, Scholarly Works um, link. So all that's up on jmuxlabs.org, uh, and then there's uh, there's another website to talk about 4VA that is 4VA.org, um, and you can see all the schools that are participating in the 4VA program. Okay. All right. Well, Nick Swain, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome to, to learn about the X-Lab, so we appreciate it. Great. Thanks a lot. My Tech Decisions podcast is now available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe in order to instantly download the latest interviews with expert AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, technology manufacturers, and commercial technology decision makers like yourself. If you like what you hear, you can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decisions Podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. If you'd like to learn more, head over to www.mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions Podcast. Good luck with all of your installations and implementations.